Hello and welcome back to the Thunder Six Podcast. I am your host, Ben Kreider, and today I will be going over the Thunder Magic game, why Isaiah Roby is the real deal, and if the Thunder just found their second unit off the bench. So going into this Thunder Magic game, in terms of who was going to be playing for us, we already knew Ty Jerome was out with his left wrist and... Trevor Reza is going through personal stuff. He's gone. No shockers. But the two things that were a bit surprising, Al Horford was resting for this game. As we know, on Monday, he played a ton of minutes. I think he might have played 30-plus in the game versus the Jazz. And with George Hill, I believe he had some sort of neck strain, and he was listed as probable. I think the 12-30 injury report from coach Dagnalt had him as probable and it really was just a game time decision ended up he just didn't step on the court tonight and it's cool I mean Horford and Hill are both 34 years old we do not want to be overusing them you know potentially injuring Hill even more and once again with Horford we just got to keep him well rested so we were kind of left with some holes with two of our starters gone and us coming off a um, a game on Monday. So our starters were SGA, Dort, Baisley. We had Justin Jackson, who has not played a minute for the Thunder yet. And we also had Isaiah Roby, who, I mean, he briefly played last season with us. But the first meaningful minutes for him came in Tuesday's game. And for the Orlando Magic, they had Markel Fultz, Dwayne Bacon, Evan Fournier, Aaron Gordon, and Nikola Vucevic rounding out their starting five. And I just want to point this out. This game was rated TV 14. I don't know if you guys caught that, but if you were scrolling through, you know, the television channels, if you clicked on the guide button, this game was TV 14 for some reason, and I can tell you why. This game was a straight-up massacre. The Thunder lost a really tough one at the hands of the Magic, 107 to 118. The Thunder dropped from 1-1 one and one to 1-2, one and two. and the Orlando Magic are one of, I believe, four or three teams that are still undefeated, so... They're doing really good for themselves right now. But just going into this game, look, off the bat, Orlando jumps out to a quick 5-0 lead. But Justin Jackson, of all people, is the first person to score for us. And it wasn't like a little catch-and-shoot from Justin Jackson. This was like a runner. I have been complaining about Jackson's runners really as long as possible. I mean... In the first couple preseason games with him, he jacked up like at least 10 of these really janky, like 15-foot floaters, runners, whatever, people right in his face. He's still taking them. First time he touches the ball in this game, he goes in for this runner, and it drops for him. So he got his first career Thunder points really early on in this game. And our other you know, fill-in player, if you want to call it that. I mean, Isaiah Roby getting his first Thunder start, he immediately was impressive. He started the game off hitting a wide-open three, and then he also set some really beautiful screens, and that's going to be a common theme really throughout this game as I talk about Isaiah Roby. So he did really spectacular in this first quarter. I believe he dropped seven 
of the team's first 14 points, um, if I believe so. Yeah, I, I believe that is correct. And with the Magic, I mean, look, you're looking at a seven foot Nikola Vucevic and a six foot ten Aaron Gordon at your four and five spot. Justin Jackson is six foot seven and Isaiah Roby's six foot eight. So there is a clear height differential in favor of the Magic. And the thing that I had as like a key factor was playing defense on the pick and rolls. I thought that was going to be really what the Magic were trying to key in on because going into this game, I believe they were third in pick and roll usage. And I think 25% of their buckets came off of high pick and rolls. So I thought that that would be the key factor to this game. Really, it didn't look that way at the beginning. I mean, they saw that mismatch with Roby and Justin Jackson. They started taking advantage early and often. Vucevic and Gordon were getting down low, posting up, taking one-on-ones on Roby. Jackson basically got it on the action too. They were all over the place. And 22 of the Magic's 34 points they dropped in the first quarter came in the paint alone. So they were vicious. And the tandem of Vucevic and Gordon, they had 16 points in that quarter. And I can tell you, at least 12 of those came right inside the paint. So they were just attacking Roby and Jackson over and over again. Roby, even though you know he was giving up some buckets... He was contesting very well, like he was getting his hands up. It wasn't like he was flinging his arms around just in bad position. Like he was in good position. It's just whenever you got a seven footer on you and you're only six foot eight, what can you do sometimes, man? Lucevic was able to get around him and you kind of had to live with that result. But like I said, he was so good in this first quarter. He had nine points alone in that first quarter on four or five shooting. And he was setting some super high ball screens for not just SGA, but also Darius Baisley. Baisley did not have the best of games, but um, really what was a bright spot for him was the first quarter with Roby. He was setting the high ball screens. Roby's rolling to the paint. Vucevic is kind of caught up on, do I guard this super athletic Baisley who can pull up or drive in, or do I go back and try to cover Roby? Vucevic was kind of all over the place on those. And then whoever was on Baisley, whether it was Evan Fournier or Aaron Gordon, they also were kind of just having a tough time around those screens. So he did a really spectacular job, Roby did, in the first quarter, just setting um, a lot of screens for the team. But yeah, it was really just neck and neck in that first quarter. No one really jumped out to an early lead or anything. When it was all said and done in that first quarter, the Magic were up seven, so sure, that may be like a, a decent margin right there, but it's not like they blew it up into double digits or anything. But entering into this second quarter, um, there was a personnel change. The rotation got swapped out. We saw some of our bench guys, and we jumped out on a 12-2 to run to start the quarter, and we regained the lead. We were up 39-38 to with eight to go in the second, and... You got to give all the credit to this five-man lineup. The rotation was Maladon at the one, Diallo at the two, Kenrich Williams at the three. You got Pokachevsky at the four and Muscala at the five. The Magic were just not able to keep up with this. There's so many options with this lineup right here. And really what made it all work 
in in that second quarter at the beginning stages, Diallo was so aggressive getting inside. And we all know how strong he is and how athletic he is. When he's in rhythm, you get out the way and you let him ISO. I've said this on previous podcasts before, and this was one of those nights where he just caught fire and there was nothing the Orlando Magic defenders could do. They were throwing different guys out there. They were throwing bacon on him. They were throwing Terrence Ross on him. Neither of them could really defend him. So Diallo was just brute forcing his way inside, absorbing contact, staying up in the air. There was one specific and one play where it seemed like the guy was levitating. He was up there for what seemed like a minute. Aaron Gordon's up there contesting his shot. It doesn't matter. He's just chilling up there waiting for Gordon to fall down. Soon as he does, flips it up and in. So with that ISO working for him, Diallo was really, he had that one-man offense going, and whenever people needed to go help on him, it wasn't like Diallo was forcing his shots like he has in these past two games. He was looking to kick the ball out, and it created so many good open looks for us, and that's why we jumped out to that 12-2 run. And the Magic kept trying to get inside with this lineup that we had, but it just wasn't working. And one of the reasons Vucevic was not playing at the beginning of the second, so a lot of the, really, the foundation of their inside game was gone when Vucevic was not with them. So they were kind of struggling, and whenever they were driving in, they were just getting swarmed by defenders, specifically Diallo, Muscala, and Kenrich Williams were just going right after them. So they couldn't get anything going. And in this lineup that we had, Poku was actually being like a real passer. Like he was he was getting screen set from Mike Muscala. Muscala would roll in. Poku would hit him. Beautiful pass over two guys. And then there was a pick and pop Muscala had for Poku. Poku just flicks it behind him. Uh, he like gives a little bounce pass. No look. Backwards to the three. Muscala catch fire. Bang. He hits that three. So it was very nice. And all these guys had some strong suits. And I may even go into that lineup a bit later. But yeah, they were so good. And they put us in such a good spot with eight minutes to go. But then Vucevic hops back in the game for the Magic. And the paint became a real vulnerability for us almost immediately. So they were working down low. um, And they just... Jumped out to a 6 0 run right as Vucevic got into the game. So that lead that we finally got was just taken right away from us. And believe it or not, this was the last lead that we would have in the game. We never were able to get it back. And Vucevic was dominant inside and from the, th- from the three ball. Excuse me. He was on fire. Like, I can perfectly understand why. You wouldn't want to test Vucevic from three because when he was going in on twos, it was money practically every time. You might as well test the man. He shot three of four from beyond the arc in this game, and there was no real sign of stopping him. So he was all over the place, and he really was carrying them in that second quarter, and it let them get as much uh, as a 10-point lead in that second quarter we were able to trim it down a bit but they had a 60 to 56 lead entering halftime and once we jump into this third quarter the game was 
as close as you could have asked. I mean, this was really when SGA was kind of getting in rhythm. He was hitting the open guys when he was driving in. Dort in particular, he hit a couple of threes in that third quarter. He had guys like Muscala also hitting his threes as well. And it led to us tying the game up 80-80 to with 2.19 to go. With us, it was just the normal. It was SGA, Dort, Muscala. Those are your three main guys. With the Magic, it was still really Vucevic, but another dude just came out of nowhere. Dwayne Bacon, who, when I was looking at the lineups, like, this is a dude I hear on 2K. Um, I don't really have any knowledge of, like, what his game was like. I think he played with, like, Charlotte maybe last year or something like that, but I didn't know what to expect with him. He was dominant going inside he was running through everybody just finding a lane I couldn't tell you how many times in the box score and or in the play-by-play I guess I saw Dwayne Bacon makes a two-foot layup it was so many times and how many times you may be asking he had five alone in that third quarter so he racked up 10 points strictly off layup so he was the torch that they needed to lead them really out of that tight contest where he got tied up there. So he was able to scrap points together. The Magic ended up having an 87-85 to 85 point lead entering the fourth quarter. And in the fourth quarter, they reverted back to really, I mean, I guess their whole entire game plan was attacking the paint. But they reverted to like first quarter stuff where every single play was get down low, let's play some bully ball. They dropped in 18 points in the paint, in the fourth quarter. And we just couldn't really do much about it. I mean, when the quarter started out, it was fine. And Muscala had like a crazy four-point play. As if you guys have already seen, Muscala hit this wild bank shot three from way downtown a couple games ago. Pretty much a deja vu situation, except it was a four-point play. So that lit a spark under the team. But... Just over time, the wear and tear of these guys just being able to cruise inside and get two points took a toll on us, man, and we could not really stop it. And that's what led to them taking this 118 to 107 victory. Um, the magic, that is. We ended up losing 107 to 118. But yeah, um, to close the game, it was kind of interesting. We still had guys like Isaiah Roby out there. We had people like Justin Jackson closing. I think when the final buzzer sounded, we had two-way player Josh Hall out out on the court. There was not really much he contributed. I think he jacked up a shot with like 20 seconds left, but he really didn't get, get any meaningful minutes, sadly. I wish I saw more of him, but yeah. So, yeah, when it was all said and done, man, we just couldn't pull it off. When we're looking at the box score, these guys had 72 points in the paint. And they had six players in double figures. Nikola Vucevic just completely starred for them. He had 28 points on 12 of 18 shooting. Dwayne Bacon went 9 of 10. Pretty much all just driving inside, man. So it was kind of crazy. One positive I can say in this fourth quarter, there wasn't a ton of bright spots. But really just a play that stood out to me and like embodied kind of what this whole entire game was for the Thunder. It was just all about hustle. 
There were so many hustle plays. Nobody was giving up on these guys. I mean, we didn't have Hill or Horford, and we had the mismatch where Vucevic was killing us. They never gave up. And with 29 seconds left in the game, we were down eight points. Hamadou Diallo intentionally fouled Markel Fultz. This game was pretty much over. He wasn't giving up. And after the foul, it wasn't like these his teammates were like, you know, what the hell are you doing, man? They were all for it. And whenever they got the ball back, uh, they ran down the court and chucked up a shot of their own. So they did not want to give up. And it was really just a straight-up dogfight the entire way, even though the final score did not necessarily project it. One note that I do want to point out, because I know I did not mention it, Alexei Pokachevsky tallied his first career NBA points in this game. There's about a minute left in the third quarter. Came off a putback. I am absolutely shocked that Justin Jackson got his first career Thunder points before Pokachevsky. Like, I would have bet a million dollars on Poku getting his points first. But hey, it's just how it goes. Uh, Jackson got his first. Poku got his in the third quarter. I think he jacked up a three and traced the rebound down. He just tipped it right back up and in. So there you go. I think it's a little bit ironic that his points came off like an inside shot because he jack- he's jacked up so many threes so far. But yeah, nice to see one finally go through with him. Uh, people were pulling their hairs, seeing him just be right off the mark so many times. He is a career one of 18 now, so other NBA teams, watch out. He is a 6% field goal shooter right now, so good on him for that. Just going into just some of the players for our team, I'll go into Roby later because I just absolutely loved what he did for us. But let's just start things off with SGA again. He had 23 points, 7 rebounds, 7 assists on 8 of 10 shooting. He played 33 minutes for us. The fact that he was able to be so efficient is just a super great sign. And, you know, when you see this on paper, you're assuming he was just driving in on easy pick and rolls for like layups or something. That was not the case. In the second quarter, the Magic actually were putting double teams on SGA, and he was being forced to kick the ball out to people like Isaiah Roby, for example. He just had to look for other people, and that's how he got his seven assists, but he was really feeling it. And the fact that they had to double team him, we knew it was kind of inevitable with this team. Like SGA is the main dude with our offense, so... Seeing these double teams, it's not just out of the ordinary, but I don't know. He responded He responded to it very well, and if he didn't have this double team on him, I could have seen him drop in 35 because he was locked in from downtown. He was 3 of 3. When he was driving in, he was completely good. He was getting himself to the line. He was 4 of 5 from there. So I loved it from him. The only knock, he had five turnovers. Turnovers have just seemed to be kind of a a secret pain for us so far, but I think we will grow past it in, in, you know, in time, really. Another person that I would like to mention again, Lou Dort. He, I don't know if he's averaging 20 plus right now, but he had 15 in the first game, 26 in Monday's game, and 15 again 
in Tuesday's game. So, yeah, I mean, he has been absolutely crushing it. That is a 18.7 average on points. So, completely exceeded my expectations. Whenever we did the over and unders, I said that Lou Dort would be averaging like nine points. Now, looking back on that, I am a complete clown for that. I knew Dort would be getting a ton of minutes. I just didn't know how many shots he'd be putting up. He's putting up a lot. He uh, actually was tied for the most field goals attempted on the team. He had 14, 6 of 14. He was 3 of 8 from 3. The percentage, 3 of 8. That's 37%. That's not bad whatsoever. And he was like going into these shots off the dribble. Normally, he's just a catch-and-shoot player. But like he was stepping back into these shots. He was so comfortable. He looked like SGA out there sometimes. Like He was trying to create shots from three. And that was beautiful to see. Even if they weren't hitting every time. Like, Yeah, it's just so encouraging and promising to see a dude like that trying to work on his three because we know how elite he is on the defensive end. We know he can drive in just up to that three ball. And I'm so happy to see he wants to get the in-game reps from down there. One guy, um, Darius Baisley, I expected him to play a really big role in the game. He really was quiet. He played 29 minutes, but to be honest... I don't really remember him much out there. He was really sitting in the corner for majority of the game. I think his bright spot was in the first quarter in the Roby pick and roll so, uh, pick and roll spots. But he only tacked on six points, three of fourteen shooting, zero of four from downtown. He had six rebounds and two assists, two blocks. So that's a good thing you can take away from him, but just not as good as I expected I think that's going to be an up and down thing with some of these players like Poku has been in a slump he's going to get that back together eventually I do not doubt that whatsoever I think Baisley it was just one of those rough nights he should be fine come his next game against the Pelicans Hamadou Diallo absolutely perfect really his role at times is being that ISO player and he took on that responsibility tonight. He had everything going for him five or not even five of six. He was six of nine from the field. He got to the line um, and was one of two there. He split his free throws, 13 points. He had eight rebounds. Two of those were offensive and he had two steals. He was actually really active and in the second quarter, I was out, as I was saying, those like energy hustle plays. He was picking people's pockets when nobody was looking. When Orlando was kind of slacking, that's whenever he was striking in. And that's why he led them to that lead in the second quarter. But anyways, with him, it's all about just iso ball. When he's in, when he's in rhythm, you got to keep taking it. When he's not, he needs to realize that and dish it out. And this was a great just time of him recognizing when and we when he should not be jacking up layups. So good job by him kind of understanding what his role was in the offense today. And really a surprising thing, he he popped a midi, like a, a deep two splash. Like he was 
feeling it uh, at some portions of this game. Now, Mike Muscala, he crushed it once again. He has been so consistent. He was slacking a bit in Monday's game, but he picked it right back up. And I just want to say, I know people call him Moose. I was talking with Nick earlier about Muscala. He calls him Money Mike, as I want to say it in the great words of Krispy Kreme. He's Moneymaker Mike. You know, he is not missing shots. Five of six, three of four from downtown. He puts on 14 points, five rebounds, and two assists. Just seamlessly. Like, you forget how good Muscala is. Like, he is really, when we're looking at stretch fours we've had, he's the best one we have had in so, so long. When I'm looking at other stretch fours, who is it? Like Patrick Patterson or something? You think I want Patrick Patterson over Mike Muscala? Absolutely not. Give me Mike Muscala 10 times out of 10. He has been crushing it with us. And he's just been the consistent guy off the bench. Only 20 minutes dropping 14 points. My goodness. Some other people, Kenrich Williams, he wasn't really showing up much on the stat sheet, but his presence was definitely felt. High energy, like always. Poku, in his 19 minutes, 1 of 8. I, I kind of already briefly went over him. He had 6 boards. He's just able to come out of nowhere. His arms are so long, dude. Like He doesn't even need to jump sometimes to get these rebounds. Like Someone will be jumping up in good position, I might add, for a rebound. And Poku's like, you don't even think he's in the play. Just reaches those arms out, man. That's how he gets those rebounds, and no need to jump. He was trying to take the ball up plenty of times this game, and I'm so cool with him trying to be like a playmaker for us. Not an issue. He's really fast. He's not really able to get inside the way that I thought he would be able to. He's kind of just taking the ball up and camping around the wing and dishing it off. I want him to finish those plays off and try to run the transition because in Europe, that was one of the key traits of him. It was his coast-to-coast ability. He would crash the rebounds. He would run past everybody and like give you a dunk or layup on the other end. I know that you know he was playing in like the lower-tier leagues in Europe. In the NBA, there's more more athletes there, so maybe you can't just walk right up and lay the ball in, but I say give it a shot at least, man. You don't got to halt everything and kick it off to a guard every time. Like, either give them the outlet immediately or do your own thing, man. Like, everyone, all the fans are wanting to see Poku kind of just do whatever. Like, this year is about growth, and I think Poku should just take every opportunity he can get but anyways the main dude that I wanted to talk about was Isaiah Roby and I have been raving about this guy like I was kind of a doubter in him in my preseason um or not even preseason just before the preseason games I was doing roster projections and I was saying you know Roby may just be that odd man out for us I had guys like Schofield and Leaf above him In the preseason, he just proved that he was way, way better than TJ Leaf, 
way better than Admiral Schofield. There's always that one dude who finds their spot on the team because of how well they did in the preseason. That was Isaiah Roby. I mean, he was a perfect screen setter for Maladon. I did a post on this on my blog, Kyle Singler for MVP.com. I got articles going up pretty much daily on the Thunder, but I did one on him early in the preseason. 45% of Maladon's points he accounted for. So that would just be the points he had and then the assists that he had, the points that came off of his assists. Those combined, 45% of them came off these Roby screens. So Roby has been one of the really best screen setters on our team since that first game of the preseason. And I was shocked to not see him play in the first two games. It's so good to see him getting some run. And I think he proved he'll be playing for us just in the long term rotationally. Uh, He ended up dropping, what was it? He had 19 points, 7 rebounds, and a steal and a block in 28 minutes. Not to mention 9 of 12 shooting. Like, come on, man. He was so, so good in this game. But just the basic stuff. In the pick and rolls, he is perfect. Uh, The connection that he had with Roby, uh, or excuse me, with Maladon, it works with SGA and Baisley. Like, the speed is there. The big man is always caught guessing because Roby's too fast. Either you immediately go over to Roby so he doesn't have a wide-open roll, or, you know, you are sacrificing a wide-open pull-up jumper for SGA, Maladon, Baisley, whoever's coming off the screen. So, he's that perfect dude. The mismatch where he's six foot eight, that's what ends up hurting him, but... He's one of the best screen setters on our team. And I don't want to say he's better than like Horford or Muscal or whatever, because those are some bigger guys. But the flexibility he does bring and the versatility he has, I think it makes him better. Uh, on pick and pops, I'd take Muscala, but just the all around package, I like Roby just due to his speed. When defending um, screens, one thing that I loved about Roby. He was not letting these high screens work, and they got into the rhythm of just trying to post him up, but there were parts in this game where they were trying to work him on these high pick and rolls to free up, you know, whoever it was, whether it was Fultz, Ross, you get the point. Roby was not having any of it. He's able to hedge on the screen, so the the guy on offense with the ball he he thinks that he's contested by Roby when re- in reality he's not. Roby's able to kind of fake out the ball handler and then immediately dart back into the paint with the center. The center's not going to be fast enough to get to the basket before Roby. And Roby has seven foot three wingspan, so he'd be jumping up, swatting that thing out of the park. It's never going to happen on these rolls for these centers when you got Roby there. So he is excellent there. The only knock on defense with him when it comes to interior defense it's not even the mechanics like his mechanics are great it's just when you got seven foot 250 pound guys on a 220 Isaiah Roby he's gonna get pushed down and there are gonna be times where you're just sacrificing points so that's the only knock on him even when guarding you know some of these guards in the forwards Roby is excellent and just a surprising thing with him was 
just in terms finishing today, it wasn't just layups off these pick and rolls. It was him chasing down the offensive rebound, muscling his way around like Aaron Gordon and Vucevic, and somehow freeing himself up for like these putback layups. He had a shot where as time expired, he flips it up. He pump faked about five times to get the magic guys off him for like a millisecond. He took that window, made the most of it, up and in, bank shot from like a foot away. The energy from Roby is ridiculous. And just the IQ from him is amazing. He is a guy that we should be working on. This is a gym that we have uncovered. Please do not bury him on the bench, Mark Dagnall. Keep him on. We want to see 20 minutes of Baisley off of this bench. My role for him has always been a four or a small ball five at times. I still think it remains. He's a good shooter. Like he's through the preseason and in this game, he's been like a 50% three point shooter. He just doesn't really have confidence in shooting it for some reason. He had so many wide open looks off the the screens. I mean, sometimes he did pick and pops and with SGA double team, that's why he was so open. He wasn't taking them. He needs to take those because I think he'd be hitting a lot of them, man. I really do. Just really good operating with the screens with the team. Perfect guy. Uh, I still like that four and five spot with him. If he was able to get that three going, as I was saying, you could even put him at the three. He can defend the three. It's just, I think you're going to get the most out of him when setting screens at the four and five. Anyways, the next thing that I do want to go into is the Thunder's second unit. Now, I was kind of curious as to what the rotation would look like off the bench with the season starting. And my first thought was, before Frank Jackson got waived, it was, oh, Maladon, Jackson, Kenrich Williams, Poku, Roby, or you could swap Roby for Muscala. That was great. But with Frank Jackson gone, that shooter off the bench is just not there when it comes to the shooting guard. Diallo has to be that guy at the shooting guard position, and he can't really shoot the three right now. I mean, he's a 25% three-point shooter. Defenders will sag off on him. But in games like tonight where he was 6 of 9, this lineup is perfect. All the options are just so amazing. The Maladon, Diallo, Kenrich Williams... Pokachevsky Muscala lineup, deadly. That was a 12-2 run roster you had right there. When Diallo's able to ISO, all the defender's attention has to go to him. And it leaves to these other guys being able to hit. And I am I truly believe in Maladon's shooting ability, Kenrich Williams' shooting ability, Poku, as of right now, he's not been hitting it. But I do think Getting him open for three is good. And Muscala, it's moneymaker Mike, man. It's going to be going in if you're giving Muscala an open three. I'm just saying it. So when Diallo has everything going, it's perfect, and he can be your ball handler. When it is not working, you can dish the ball off to Poku. Poku can be that guy on the pick and roll. You got Muscala setting that screen there. And as I mentioned earlier, he was able to get passes over the defenders. He's gigantic. He's got the long arms. 
you get two guys in front of him, you could put a whole team in front of Pokachevsky and he'd be able to get the ball over all of them. You know what I mean? So with him, he's perfect with that pick and roll on Muscala. You know, with the pick and pops, he was also finding him. And then sometimes, I mean, he can create for himself. Um, it hasn't been there right now, but it can definitely be a viable option. With Maladon, you know what you have in him in the pick and roll. Elite. Diallo's defender may be sagging on him, but I think still Maladon is able to work in that pick and roll when you got Muscala setting it for him because you have the pick and pop. It's really just going to be a one-on-one or a two-on-one situation if he's rolling. If you got Diallo's man trying to defend as well, that turns into a two-on-two, which is totally fine. But I believe in Maladon's pick and roll. Uh, I really do. I think his game has so many aspects to it that he's good to go uh, when you're putting one or two guys on him anyways. With Williams, like I said, really he's just that hustle guy doing it all for you. He can kick it out. He can get your rebounds. And then he's a good guy off that catch and shoot. And if Diallo could be a shooter, like, as I've mentioned, he'd be a starter in the NBA without a doubt. I mean, that offensive game would be totally ridiculous. But if he could shoot, man, this lineup would be very, very scary. Now, Roby is not going to be your full-time starter. Same with Justin Jackson. Justin Jackson in tonight's game. I know I didn't really go over him. He was 3 of 6, 0 of 3 from downtown. I don't really know if he'd fit too well with this lineup because it's more of an up-tempo lineup, and Justin Jackson really does not fit that. Roby totally does, and you can throw him in at that center spot. If you think Roby can shoot, then you're perfect. We know on the pick and rolls, Maladon and Roby really are the best pairing you can possibly get. So I love it there. And then the only other dude you maybe would like to move is Diallo. And Ty Jerome has flashed uh, some shooting ability in the past. We have not really seen it now. I mean, we've never seen him playing for us as of yet, but... He could be a dude you replace for Diallo at the t- at times to get the three ball going. And hey, maybe there's times where SGA somehow finds himself in this lineup with Maladon, with Kenrich Williams, with Poku, with Muscala, Roby, whatever it may be. There's so many plug-and-play guys there, but I really want to break down like the core, the core members of this. Maladon. He's a core piece to this. I think Williams is a core piece just because the defensive intensity, it balances things out. Plus, he can shoot, so can't go wrong with that. Poku, I think he's also essential to this. When you're running small ball, Poku has the speed of a small forward, but obviously the frame of a center. So he's the guy who will be snagging those rebounds for you. I think Muscala, you may include him as a core member. As of right now, I think the core three you want to mention is Maladon, Williams, and Poku. We know that there's a duo with Maladon and Roby, so you swap out Muscala or Roby depending on the situation, and you swap out Diallo and Ty Jerome once he fully heals depending on your situation. So the bench, I really like what we have in our bench. There were so many bright spots in the game, and there were so many just great takeaways I'd say 
really in all three of these games. And one thing that I have wanted to do is whenever you got all these games, just like back to backs, one day gaps, trying to go over some of these smaller stories is a little bit difficult because it's, oh, I need to do a game preview. And now I, you know, I need to keep you guys updated on how the game went. You really can't get any of the small stories that I know some of you guys are really into. So I may look into kind of every once in a while breaking down some of the smaller details from our past two or three games. Maybe you guys can kind of tell me what you would like there. But I think a bench, just figuring out the bench, is a great story to cover because there are so many options and we have seen so much potential from them. But anyways, um, our next game will be against the New Orleans Pelicans on Thursday. So make sure to stay tuned for that. I will keep you all updated. Other than that, guys, that is it for today's podcast. I thank you all for listening, and I hope you all have a good rest of your day. See ya.